Welcome to ASME TechCast, bringing you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. Hello, this is John Kozowitz, Senior Editor at Mechanical Engineering Magazine and ASME.org. Today, we're looking at an interesting project where engineers and health practitioners formed a team to solve a healthcare challenge to automate the slow and tedious job of identifying breast cancer tumor cells. They adapted algorithms used for automotive, defense, and robotic applications to accomplish the goal. In Texas, pathologists from UT Health San Antonio taught researchers from the Southwest Research Institute to recognize the cancer cells, and the engineers taught the algorithm to analyze cell images and pick out the outliers, the cancer cells. The Cancer Cellularity Challenge was conducted by a group including the National Cancer Institute, the American Association of Physicists in Medicine, and SBIE, the International Society for Optics and Photonics. Here to tell us about the project is David Chambers, a team member and senior research engineer and mechanical engineer at the Southwest Research Institute. Welcome, David, and and let's start by defining the challenge and how the existing research was adapted to biology. Well, thanks for having me on. We actually have been doing perception algorithms for quite a long time, and our background is really in unmanned vehicles. Uh, However, um, something that has been of interest and something we've been doing more and more of is um, you know, biomedical or biomechanical applications. And what we wanted to do to get started was to find some applications where there is a problem that needed to be solved and to take some of our existing algorithms and apply them. Um, so we're talking about um, the specific challenge that, that we participated in and actually won was a grant challenge, which is a challenge where the data is made publicly available. Um, they have an evaluation server and the goal is that they're going to give you a set of data that they've given you labels for so that you have some place to start. Uh, then they're going to later on give you a set of unlabeled data and ask you to use your models to regress against it. So we actually borrowed from our experience in unmanned vehicles and we took some of the same AI technologies that we use there and working with um, pathologists from the UT Health Sciences Center were able to win this challenge. And what the challenge is, is a Um, challenge for regressing a specific kind of biomarker for breast cancer. Uh, So in breast cancer, um, one of the things that comes out um, of the treatment is doing biopsies to assess the the burden of the tumor. Uh, One of the measures they use in that is the cancer cellularity, whereby they would look at the stain that comes out of a biopsy. So they they take this biopsy, they embed it in wax, they slice it up very thinly, they put a stain on it, and then they scan the whole thing. And right now, a pathologist has to look at that stain, or they have to look at the scan of the stain and make a determination about what's there. Um, and it's incredibly time-consuming, and there are a number of reasons you'd want to automate that. One of them is the, the time that it takes. If you were to print one of these out as an image, it would be 70 pages long uh, just to look at one slide. And they're, they're looking at multiple of these slides every day. And you're, you're being asked to look at every single square inch of every page and make a classification on it. Uh, you're going to be fatigued by the end of the day. You're going to stop performing well. David, tell us how you trained an automotive algorithm to perform this task in biology. So we actually took an existing um, convolutional neural network backbone. Um, convolutional neural networks are one of two classes of algorithms that are the, the main drivers of research in a field called deep learning. 
Um, convolutional neural networks generally deal with image data. Uh, they deal with data that has some sort of spatial component to it. What we were able to do is take one of those and use our experience in convolutional neural networks and deep learning in general and modify it for the task. Uh, that modification meant that we changed what we call the head of the neural network. Um, so we adapted it to give us the kind of output that we want. And we adapted it to have the kind of receptive field that we needed. And we also employed a, um, a hybrid labeling strategy, uh, which is a, what, a, something that was unique about our research. So basically, that is, looking, that, that is looking at data where we don't necessarily have a complete label, and some data where we did have a complete label, but still being able to use aspects from the weekly label data to improve our performance. We really solved a, a good problem in the geometry of that, the head of that network, and that was really the, the core driver behind our, our success. You know, in automotive, the exact same algorithms were, are used for things like detecting objects. So when we're talking about you know, detecting a pedestrian walking across the street, then we're talking about using a, a convolutional neural network, or CNN. Uh, when we're talking about looking and finding those lines that separate the road, from the rest of the environment. Um, that again is a convolutional neural network in, in most applications today. Uh, so really it's a, a foundational approach in computer vision uh, that was modified to solve a very specific task. But there are difficulties in identifying cancer cells. That's correct. And that's actually even worse than that as a problem because what we're looking at in cellularity isn't just about looking at the cell and identifying whether or not it's cancerous. Uh, the only way that a pathologist can tell about a single individual cell is to look around at the cell at its context. Uh, so one of the things that's really hard of this problem is that the cancer cells look like normal cells by themselves. Uh, what you see with the cancerous cells though is that you know, they tend to be growing or extending off in directions where they shouldn't be. Uh, there tends to be less uniformity than you would have uh, with healthy cells. And you're really trying to judge that cell by, by its overall context. Um, so this has been something that you know, by conventional computer vision approaches that are, are less you know, integrated AI driven, has been a problem that has not really been possible to solve. And now we're looking at finally having the technology to do that. How would a pathologist use this? So the cellularity is a biomarker for assessing tumor burden. Um, it, it has a lot of different uses, but one of the main things that you would get out of it is that um, you would be able to assess the response to, um, to treatment that had been done prior to the autopsy or to the um, biopsy. <laughs> oh, bad slip there. Um, <laughs> what you get out of that is um, some measure you know, of the amount that the tumor cells have recessed as a response to that therapy. Uh, so having that as a data point, um, you know, really is a good way to know, you know, how well the therapy is actually working. And right now, you know, the, the tool is, has not been as useful as it could have been. Um, but one of the reasons that it's not been useful is because of, you know, inner pathologist variation. So if we increase the consistency of the results that we're getting, um, then it actually becomes more valuable as a prognostic tool. So we start to uh, map things to outcomes. And I, I think that that's what the you know, end goal of digital pathology applications is in general. You know, what, is, what is the outcome that you're going to get when you see this specific arrangement? 
Um, you know, what is the outcome when we use this specific treatment uh, is the question that the oncologists are going to be answering. Engineers and doctors and medical professionals speak a different language. How difficult was communication within the team? That is a very good question. I, I really think that we had to learn quite a bit. Um, and even then, you know, the, the actual subject matter experts are extremely invaluable to have. Uh, you know, I think one of the great things about engineers in general is that uh, you've got a group of people who, who really love to learn, especially in my organization um, at Southwest Research Institute. Well, we've got a bunch of people who, who really don't, don't see themselves as confined to a specific specialization. Um, I, I think you're going to see you know, a lot of the barriers start to break down, too. I mean, the, the communication barrier certainly you know, goes both ways. And one of the things that you hope to do with automation, right, is to, to free up these experts so they can help with the next prob problem so that you can continue you know, making progress and so that we can continue to you know, improve people's lives. Thanks, David, for taking some time to talk about this interface between engineering and biology. And thanks to everyone for listening. This is John Kozowatz again for Mechanical Engineering Magazine and ASME.org. You can find other episodes of ASME TechCast on SoundCloud and Stitcher.